here tonight. And I'm encouraged to see the numbers that are out here in the house of God joining together to lift up his name above every other name. Can you say amen? And uh, I'm going to preach from the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible with you, let's turn in our text to the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 91. And we're going to read from verse 5 through to verse 14. So I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to be preaching here tonight until just a couple of hours ago. And uh, I was planning to go to Pastor Chris's house for his Bible study. And uh, Pastor Dan called and said, listen, there's a bit of a situation. Can you help out? And I said, yes, absolutely. More than happy to. And so I, I chucked together a sermon. And so um, forgive me if it's not, you know, of the highest quality, but we're going we're gonna to believe God to move and help us this evening. Amen. So, who is the most successful sporting franchise in the world? Anybody know the answer? The most successful sporting franchise in the world. They come from right here. All blacks, all right. So, before they play a game, and I'm sure you're all familiar with this, they do the haka, right? You guys have seen that? And say, why do they do that? They do that to inspire fear and intimidation into the opposition, right? And so this is a tradition that goes way back. You know, this is uh, warriors intimidating their enemies. And so that word intimidation, someone is intimidated, that means that they're scared, they're fearful, right? And so, you know, someone who's kind of like shy and backs away and someone bigger than them comes into the room, they're kind of like, ooh, and they're backing away. This is a person who's intimidated. And so let's look at what to do when the enemy seeks to intimidate us tonight. Let's read our text from Psalms 91, starting in verse 5. It says these words, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Pestilence, disease, sickness, all that kind of stuff nor the distraction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall be for you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and serpent you shall trample under feet or under foot and so here it is a story from the word of god is talking about hardship disease pestilence things that are going to come your way trials uh, trouble and, and, and these things that are going to inspire intimidation and fear. But then the good news, hallelujah, the good news is for the child of God that He is our refuge and our dwelling place. He is our fortress. And as Christians tonight, you and I have the victory. You and I have the authority to stomp on cobras and lions, hallelujah. So let's look at firstly and consider the strategy of intimidation. Now, I've found that as I've walked around Odahu, 
outreaching, handing out flyers, talking to people about Jesus, that I've come across some, some guys that look intimidating. You know, they're, they're looking all hard and tough. But when I walk up to them and I say, G'day, mate, how are you going? They say, right, I go, oh, G'day, mate, how are you? Right, they look intimidating. But as soon as you walk up to them and talk to them, smile, then that look of intimidation immediately melts away. And in our text, it paints a picture of some of the strategies that the enemy will use against us. Surprise attacks. Verse 5 says that you shall not be afraid. This is an attack that comes in the darkness, something that you can't see, that you're not anticipating or expecting. You don't realize that it's the enemy until it's too late because you didn't see it coming. And it's too late to defend. It's an ambush. But it also uses obvious attacks. This is no secret. And it says, nor the arrow that flies by day. So here it is, the arrow of the enemy. It's coming in in broad daylight. It's visible and it's there for all to see. It's anticipated. We know that it's coming. And so the question would arise, why would the enemy allow us to see the assault coming? Why doesn't he always just hide it? Why doesn't he always try to take us by surprise with an ambush? Well, I'm glad you asked tonight. The answer is intimidation. It's to inspire fear. It's to overawe, to make us afraid, to discourage us, to suppress us, to coerce us. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 2, it says these words, Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men in the army, uh, of the army in the field. And so here it is. Here's the Philistines, the enemy of the people of Israel. And the Bible says that they put themselves in battle array. Right? They made a big show of this. They took their time. They put on their best armor, their shiniest armor. They got their best trained guys out there. And they put on this big show. They were all organized. And so... Why to inspire fear, to inspire intimidation? Because they knew that it would work. And that day it was effective. 4,000 men lost their lives in the field. And the reason why this strategy is so effective, or the reason why the enemy uses this strategy, one of, is that he wants to impress us with his size and his strength. 1 Samuel 17 verse 4 and 7 says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistines' camp. He was over nine feet tall, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like that of a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. And so here's this guy, Goliath. We know the story, right? Old Sunday school story. Goliath, he's the biggest guy you've ever seen, the, the toughest guy you've ever seen. He's, his spear weighs more than one of us, right? So that's a pretty big dude carrying around a spear that's that big. And so why? To inspire fear and inspire intimidation. 
if we allow what we see with our eyes to inspire fear, then we have already lost the battle in our minds. We know the story goes on. David, little shepherd boy, defeats Goliath. Hallelujah. And so why is this such an effective strategy? Because it makes our abilities and our efforts, what we have, our resources, who we are, seem small and insignificant. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 says that Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think that they can build the wall in a day if they offer enough sacrifices? Look at those charred stones that are pulling out, they are pulling out of the rubbish and using again. And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. And so here they are, the children of God, they're trying to rebuild, they're trying to get their act together, they're trying to rally together and and rebuild the wall and and get back on top of things and their enemies are mocking them they're saying you know what's the point why bother your greatest effort is worth nothing even if a small fox was to walk on the top of your wall it's going to fall down so why bother why try and so the enemy wants us to believe what's the point you're not making a difference anyway right we begin to buy into this mindset and this lie it's at this point that you and I are no longer effective Christians and that's the point that's what the enemy wants he wants us to believe that so that we are no longer effective as Christians no longer effective as soldiers of the living God you know we walk in victory and dominion that's what we're supposed to do not walk around in fear and intimidation So let's look secondly then this evening at the results of intimidation. One of my closest uh, mates from my mother church, um, uh, years ago, I was already in the church, he came into church and got saved as a young man. And so, you know, believe it or not, you know, I wasn't always, you know, this friendly, smiling guy that that you see today, right? And so, you know, I come from a, a rough background and all that sort of stuff and say so without even realizing it I'd always have this this frown on my face right and so people would be like oh what's wrong are you okay and all that. and that would make me annoyed because there's nothing wrong with me leave me alone right and so he comes into the church and sort of gets to know him a little bit and he's this you know this nerdy dweeby kind of a guy and uh and I hear back from someone else that he he told them that he found he found me intimidating me unbelievable how could you find how could you find a friendly guy like me intimidating and so you know i immediately went to him and confronted him about it and so you know here it is he's like oh, i found that i find that guy a little bit intimidating so i've gone up to him what do you mean hey do you find me intimidating how could you find me intimidating all right and so i'm just adding to the fire now he's intimidated even more and so The reason why intimidation 
is so effective is that it changes our resolve or it changes our choice and our decision to make it through what we're currently facing. And how does it do that? First of all, it breeds discouragement. Discouragement is a loss of courage or a loss of former boldness. Or before when you were feeling confident, it's gone. And now we feel like we can't go on. Uh, One NFL coach, this is American football, he said this, he said, fatigue makes a man a coward. And so when you're, you're feeling run down, you're feeling like, you know, I've put in a lot of effort and I've done all that I can. You know, I can no longer go on. This is discouragement. It's a loss of perspective and we can no longer see things clearly. We lose all sense of the proper size of things or the importance of priorities and where they should actually be. In the book of Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33, it says, We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And we felt like grasshoppers next to them. And that's what we looked like to them. You know the story here it is, the children of Israel going into the promised land and they send out spies. And so 10 of those spies come back with a bad report. And this is what they say. What's the point? These guys are huge. We don't stand a chance. Why even try? The second thing, is confusion. We're no longer sure what we should be or what we should do. We begin to question things that we once knew for sure. You know, 100%, this is what I believe, this is what I stand on, and this is what I'm going to do. We knew that. There was no doubt. But suddenly now there's confusion. We're questioning things. We're, we're double-checking ourselves. Book of Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 2 and 3 says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Here it is, John. You know, previously he's like, you know, I've got to make way for one who comes greater than I, whose sandals that I'm not even worthy to strap. He knows Jesus. Jesus is his own cousin, right? So here it is now. John's he's locked up in jail with a death sentence hanging over his head, and he begins to question. He says, Are you the coming one, or do we seek another? Beginning to doubt, beginning to allow fear to creep in and second-guess himself. And so the third thing is retreat. Ultimately, if we give in to this, it causes us to run away from the will of God and fail to do what we know that we should do. 1 Kings 19 verse 3 and 4 says that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there and why he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Here it is, the ultimate uh, illustration of uh, despair and discouragement and giving up. And this is what this spirit is designed to do. You know, intimidated people become forced into submission. 
here it is, this story in the Bible. You know, immediately before this happened, he was shouting the victory. You know, here it is, he takes out the prophets of Baal. You know, his God comes down and ignites a fire on the altar. He's, you know, singing and dancing with and prophesying and all these kinds of things. And then he gets word from, from Jezebel that she's going to come and she's going to take his life. And now he's saying, Lord, take my life. It's one extreme to the next. Ultimate victory to ultimate defeat. It's because it's a spirit. Forced into submission, doing what another wants. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Amen. You fear man, that's going to bring a snare. This picture is not a snare drum. I'm not talking about a snare drum. A snare, a trap. Brings a trap to you if you fear man. It's going to entangle you. It's going to cause harm to you. But when you trust in the Lord tonight, you shall be safe. Hallelujah. And so we must see it for what it is. Intimidation is a demon spirit. It's more than just words or looks or circumstances, or even logic, it's demonic. And so that's why fear and intimidation spreads so quick. It's supernatural. We're seeing some pretty crazy things happen right now, right? You know, of all the things that you would need to survive in an emergency, toilet paper is not one of them. But this is what fear and intimidation does to people, right? It drives us crazy. You bought some extra toilet paper, bro? <laughs> Hallelujah. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. You know, considering the current circumstances that are happening around the earth, and you know, Pastor Dan, he preached on, on Sunday night about some of the stuff that's going on, COVID-19, plagues, etc., you know, now is not the time for the saints of God to be scared or to be fearful or to be intimidated. Now is the time for the children of God to be bold and more so more than ever, right? Other people are scared. You know why? Because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen with their life. But you and I, we know what's going to happen, don't we? We know who the King of Kings is and who the Lord of Lords is. Hallelujah. And so tonight, we, we ought to take advantage of, of the fact that people are scared. We ought to preach the gospel and share the good news of hope and love of Jesus Christ and redemption and salvation. Hallelujah. So then let's look at thirdly and finally tonight, very quickly, for those who are keeping time, on overcoming intimidation. You know, there are real enemies. There are real difficulties, weaknesses. There are real challenges to faith and progress. And yeah, there's real issues that are going on all around us right now, sweeping across the world. But you know, when God gets involved, it makes all the difference. If you've got a Bible with you tonight, follow along as I go through these following scriptures. You've got a pen, mark it down, underline it. You've got a highlighted text to highlight these scriptures. Psalms 91 verse 2 to 4 says, I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare, from the deadly pestilence. 
He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Aren't you glad tonight? Hallelujah. Your shield and your rampart. That means that God is our defender tonight. He is our strong tower. A rampart would be a tower that they would defend the castle from. Right? Archers up there, no hope. The enemy's got no hope of breaching that baby. Right? Psalms, uh, sorry, I've read that one. So God supplies what you and I don't have. He is faithful. He carries out his purposes and keeps his promises. Amen. Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You know, this attitude requires us to make a choice. You know, we we need to believe God at his word tonight. And say, does God tell the truth or not? Because if God doesn't tell the truth, I don't want to serve a God like that. But my God, he is the God of truth. And the truth sets us free tonight. And so if his word is true, you and I ought to believe it tonight. Otherwise, what are we doing? We are wasting our time. Requires us to choose to believe God at his word. Numbers 13, 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses... And he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome. Here it is, the story of these 12 spies. 10, negative report, lack of hope, lack of faith. Caleb, he says, all right, guys, enough, silence now, I'm going to speak. And as he speaks, he says, let us go up immediately. There's no fear. No intimidation, no hesitating or holding back. Immediately, he says, and possess it, for we are well able to overcome. Now, why does he say that? Does he say that because he thinks, you know, this is, this is an older guy, right? Do you think he's saying that because he thinks that he can take out the enemy on his own? No, he has a faith and a trust in his God. He knows that his God is abundantly able to overcome. Hallelujah. And so faith is a choice tonight. What we choose to focus on and where we choose to look. You know, 63 times the Bible says the words, fear not. Why? Because it's a common problem that needs to be addressed often, right? It's human nature. But do not let fear determine your life or your decisions tonight. Like most things, this is not automatic. We have to take dominion over the spirit of fear and intimidation by making choices to believe God. Psalms 91 verse 13 says that you will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Here it is again, serpents. We know from the the Bible that serpent is a picture of a demonic strategy against our lives, right? devil came in the garden in the form of a serpent and so here it is again representative that we're going to crush every demonic strategy that comes against us by faith when we choose to believe and uh and and, and trust god to control everything that's going on in life luke chapter 10 and verse 19 says behold i give unto you power 
to tread on serpents and scorpions. Here it is again. Promises from God, folks. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In the current climate, it's not a time to be intimidated or ineffective for the kingdom of God. But rather, you and I should have a confidence in God that others do not. We must choose faith, not fear. When they're talking about this stuff at work or at school or at home, as you're sitting around watching TV or having a feed, yeah, there's fear out there. People are concerned. They're fearing death and they're fearing the unknown. People are dying around the world. And it could be, could be me next. And so these thoughts begin to invade their mind. And I encourage you, when these conversations are taking place, you need to say, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to get coronavirus. There's, there's no guarantee, right? We're, we're doing our best at church and at work to minimize, you know, contact and, you know, lay it on me and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know if I'm, gonna, if I'm not going to get it or if I am going to go. Who knows, right? But what I do know that is if I do get it, and if for some reason that I were to die, you know, this is a very minimal chance, right? But if, if I did get it, and for some reason that I was to die, I know 100% without a shadow of doubt that heaven's going to be my home. What about you tonight? Is heaven going to be your home? I challenge you that as these conversations are taking place, as people that are out there, they're fearful and they're scared, that you would bring a challenge, that you would not be intimidated, that you would have boldness and courage to step out and share the love of Christ in these end times. Hallelujah. Let's all bow our heads this evening. We're going to close off in a word of prayer. Once again, I thank you for coming out to our Wednesday night service and joining with us.